Uh, yeah, so Thanksgiving. Um, I kind of feel like, in some respects, my message has been preached like three times already this, this, this morning, but it's kind of how God often rolls. Uh, during worship there, I was, yeah, I was thinking, as my, my dad got up there and he started talking about the origin of Thanksgiving, and um, to give you a biblical origin, I was looking it up, because I somewhat knew it already, but not the, the reference. Um, all the good stuff in this world is always God's idea. He's the originator of it. But Deuteronomy 26 is actually where Thanksgiving really comes from. So I know there's often this war that shows up every, well, Facebook war, every Thanksgiving where the Americans or, or the Canadians try to say who started Thanksgiving. The answer is neither. They've been beat by about, you know, 4,000 years or so. Uh, Deuteronomy 26 it says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, and you've been conquered, and you've conquered it and settled there, put some of the first produce from each crop you harvested into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place of the Lord your God. Yeah, that's really Thanksgiving right there, and that's what, you know, the primary reason for all of our Thanksgiving, all the blessings that God gives us. But I'm going to turn things on their head a little bit this morning, and I... Also, a little bit similar to what my dad was doing, I feel that God wants to thank you. Often we come to Thanksgiving, it's about thanking God, but I want, I, today I feel that God wants to thank you. And we're going to be reading from Isaiah 41 and Jeremiah 29, if you want to put your thumbs in those as I do my little intro here. Speaking about my intro, I somehow am going to magically, in about like a minute or so, um, cover like hundreds of years of his... Israelite history, very quickly here to give you some context. So first of all, what's the context of Isaiah and Jeremiah? So they're writing to a people that are struggling, that are going through a pretty horrendous circumstance, not an easy time. And um, what was going on was that the people, had, um, the people of Israel, they had split their nation in half, two different kingdoms formed because of their kind of disobedience from, from God. And then once they started to do that, it just started to get worse and worse for the most part. And they started to turn away from God, started to walk in a different direction from what God wanted them to walk in, started to walk away from the blessing and the protection of God. And God would warn them continually. He would send prophet after prophet after prophet and say, hey, you're headed the wrong direction. And he would remind them, listen, you're this tiny, tiny nation that is surrounded by these large empires. You walk away from me, it's not going to go good for you. And they didn't listen. The first one that kind of went down that slippery slope was the northern kingdom of Israel. This is the northern ten tribes. And as they walked away from God and said, hey, we don't need you anymore, they ended up being invaded by the Assyrian Empire. And I talked about this, I guess, like a month ago, I think, when we are talking about the story of Jonah and who the Assyrians were, and they were not, not the nicest people of all time. In fact, what they would do when they would take over a place is they would enslave most of the population. They would pierce their nose or their lip with these big rings and uh, lead them off into slavery, sell them all across the known world. And um, they would kill large portions of the population uh, in a very grotesque and brutal ways. Sometimes uh, they would resettle people elsewhere. If they needed your services, they'd say, hey, we're going to move you over here. And then um, they left a few peasants behind in Israel, but for the most part, they just completely decimated uh, the whole kingdom of Israel, the whole northern ten tribes. And today we famously refer to these tribes as the ten lost tribes of Israel. 
because they've essentially vanished from the historical record because of this. So this is a decimation, a horrific decimation that we can't even really comprehend. If 80% of our nation was just wiped off the map, all of our relatives and our cousins and our friends that live in, um, say, all the provinces east of us, just gone, just like that. And then Jeremiah is written a little while after that. People are still obviously hurting. That is some severe trauma that they just went through. And Jeremiah is comforting them, but at the same time saying, you southern kingdom of Judah, you have also walked away from God, and a similar fate is about to um, come for you. And this is often what happens when we walk away from God and his blessing and protection, because God is everything good. And when you walk away from everything good, you show up and you hit the wall of everything bad. And what would happen soon enough to the, uh, the, the southern Israelites, which would be the kingdom of Judah, is that they would be invaded by the Babylonians. And a bunch of them were also deported uh, and taken away to Babylon. So this is a, a time during the Bible called the exile. Not, a, not at all a good time. But during this, God is ministering and he's bringing comfort and uh, sending prophet after prophet. And specifically, who, who he sends these prophets to is the faithful remnant. And that's the title of my message, the faithful remnant. Those, the people that had not turned away from God, the people that had maintained this relationship with him, that continued to honor God, continued to put him first in their life. The vast, vast majority of their nation turned away from God, but these people didn't. They were called the remnant. And this is actually a term that's used throughout the Bible in multiple different cases. And it's used for people that endure adversity and they continue to serve God even when the majority walks away. The faithful remnant. And to connect it to our modern day context, I feel that we've kind of had like a COVID remnant. Uh, obviously, the adversity we face is not nearly as horrific as what happened to um, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, but it's still a significant amount of adversity. We're still going through some tough times. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at these passages from Isaiah and Jeremiah, kind of from the context of God using prophets to speak to people who are his faithful remnant, who have remained faithful despite the surrounding adversity. A couple weeks ago during uh, our staff meeting, and at that point I thought I was going to be preaching that uh, a few days later, um, I felt God randomly just say to me in the middle of the meeting, thank the remnant. And I, and I knew what that was because I knew what the, the biblical remnant means, but I was like... Um, I thought, gee, that would make a really good Thanksgiving message in my head, and then turned out in that same meeting, they decided to shift me to Thanksgiving. And I believe what God wants to do is he wants to thank those of you who have endured in the faith, who've continued to support the church in the middle of this crazy um, season of adversity. So many have walked away and they've given up. You haven't. And we've been blessed at this church that we actually have a a larger remnant than most. Some churches are down to 10 to 30%. I think the stats are also that one in five churches might have to close within the next two years because of this chaos that's happening. Yeah, and I just feel like God wants to thank you and he wants to do that by honoring you this morning. And he wants to encourage you and comfort you and bless you via his word. So as we're going to read through Isaiah 41 and Jeremiah 29, we're going to look at, look at it through that context. God speaking to his faithful few, speaking to you as COVID remnant, those that have persevered despite adversity. 
So here we're going to go to Isaiah 41 first. This is a pretty famous chapter. Uh, actually, both of these are pretty famous chapters. Normally, I like to avoid the famous chapters because I like the more obscure biblical content. But anyways, this is what Lord, the Lord led me to. So here we go. We're going to start at verse 8. Let me just read a few verses here. So it says, But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant. For I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who have tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I, am, I will help you. I am the Lord your Redeemer, I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You will toss them into the air and the wind will blow them away. A whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. Then if we go over to Jeremiah 29, we're going to just read a couple of verses here, 10 through 14. It says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and, and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that... Like a, thousand, a few thousand years later, we can still be impacted by these amazing words. God, we thank you for your prophets that encourage people during these times of adversity. And God, I pray that your word is going to find a resting place in our souls this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. As we look at these verses, one of the first things we can take away is that we can trust in the timing of God. So we saw there in Jeremiah 29 that God gives an exact time of how long... Israel is going to be in captive, uh, captivity to Babylon. I don't think Corona is going to last 70 years, but I can tell you confidently that God knows exactly when it's going to end. And he also saw it coming long before we even knew what germs were, my goodness. And he has plans in place for this. God knows what our future is. He has plans for it. And he wants us to hold on to hope that he's got it all under control. Psalm 31.15 says, Our times and our future are in the hands of God. One of my favorite verses comes from Acts 17.26-27. And it says that God sets the boundaries of time in place. Our wheres and our whens, essentially. And he does all of this for this, this singular purpose. So that we would seek him. And that we would find him. And get to know him. That is God's continual goal in everything that he does. 
If something weird is going on, I'll tell you what God's goal is so that people would seek him and get to know him and search after him and find him. That's, that's what he's always about. Always. See, during this crazy season, the enemy has intended it for evil, but God has intended it for good because he doesn't lose. God will use this season, and he has been using this season, for people to seek after him and find him. So we can trust in the timing of God. He knows what he's doing. Our second point that we can derive from these, these scriptures is that during times of turmoil, there is an invitation for increased intimacy with God. There's this beautiful imagery that's in Isaiah 41, where God, who's our father, is holding the hand of his child. And he's extending his hand to help out in times of need, in, t- in a time of distress and fear. And he holds us upright during these times. He helps us walk through these treacherous times. And he joins himself to us so that we know that we're not fighting this on our own strength. We're facing all of this down with the strength of God on our side. Where we walk, he walks. And during these times, the presence and the power of God can become more real to us than they ever have been. They become even more apparent to us that God truly is with us. It's times like these when God becomes real. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, says that during hard times, God is listening to your prayers. He is dialed in to your needs. And if you seek after him, if you put in that effort, and you'll seek him wholeheartedly, you're going to find him. And you're going to come to know God on a whole other level. There is an invitation for intimacy during these times. God is stretching out his hand. Will you take it? This is a, a, a theme that's all throughout scripture. In times of trouble, God is reaching out his hand. Will you take it? One of my favorite ones that I memorized as a kid was from Psalm 23. that says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This seems like a terrible time to have a banquet when you're surrounded by your enemies. God knows that he's bigger and he's greater and he's far stronger than them. And he has full confidence that he's going to win. So he can set up a time of intimacy in the middle of a storm. He has an ultra confidence. And so because God has an ultra confidence, we can have confidence in him. We can act in this confidence that when we're surrounded, when we have this adversity that's all around, when we're outgunned and outmatched, we can realize that God is never outgunned and outmatched. God is extending an invitation for you to have greater intimacy with him, a better relationship with him during this time. So many people are running in the opposite direction. They're headed the wrong way, but his faithful remnant is not. And they will be rewarded with a newfound um, intimacy with God, a great understanding of who he is and his greatness and his power and his presence. Thirdly, when you get to know God better during these times of crisis, God will send an increase in comfort your way. God brings comfort to anyone who needs it. In the passage from Isaiah 41, it says, Do not fear three times, and do not be discouraged another time. God's trying to, trying to tell us something when he's repeating himself continually there. See, the Israelites were in a pretty scary circumstance. Their nation had been torn apart. And God came and he ministered to their broken hearts and said, Do not fear, I'm here. God is more than able and more than willing to bring comfort during this time. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5 says this, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. 
He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. See, when God's blessing you with comfort, it's actually not just for you. Because when God gives, also as Psalm 23 says, he fills you to overflowing. God is the best giver that's out there. And when he gives you this comfort during this time, it's going to flow out of you into the highways and the byways to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, and even to perfect strangers. Because God is generous when he gives. This comfort of God, it comes from the reassurance that he has it all under control. And he does. That brings us to our fourth point. One of the things God's got under control, and it's firmly within his grasp, is the victory. God reassures us that he will have the victory. That's what he wants to do this morning to his faithful remnant. God wants to reassure you that he has the victory. The enemy is going to be defeated, and we can be confident in that. It's not just germs we are facing, but we're coming against principalities and powers of Satan and his cronies, the demons. They're trying to mess with us in all sorts of different ways, but God will have the victory. See, this victory that's described in Isaiah is not just God squeaking by. No, it's a resounding victory. God says he's going to confuse the enemy, and he's even going to humiliate them. And his victory is going to be so great that there's not even going to be a trace of the enemy when he's done with them. See, during this pandemic, I feel that the enemy has come at us from all fronts. He's launched a full-scale attack. For some, it's been their health he's come against, both mentally and physically. For some, he's attacked your time. For some, he's, he, uh, he's attacked your finances, your job. For others, he's even attacked your kids' education. There's been a lot of stress in our families because of all of this. But I'll tell you something. If you let God into these situations, if you invite him in the, into the ring, victory is assured. Years from now, you're going to be able to look back at this time and be thankful that you invited God in these situations because there's going to be a humiliating defeat of the enemy. And these times of struggle are just going to be simply a blip on the radar. You're going to be able to say, remember when the enemy tried to come against us and he failed dramatically? One of my favorite Bible verses comes from Exodus 15.3, and it says this. It's super short, and I love it. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. See, the Lord loves to fight for you. It's in his nature. It's who he is, and he's so good at it. We can be confident that somehow, some way, God is going to pull a victory out of all this craziness that's going on. We're in a big mess, but we serve a big God. And God wants to give you confidence today. His, he wants to thank his remnant today and give you this confidence as a gift that his victory is assured. Fifthly, with God's victory also comes restoration and rewards. See, God doesn't just scare the enemy away. He takes back what was stolen. In Jeremiah 29, God says that he will restore the lost fortunes. And there's lots of good stuff in this uh, biblically about restoration and rewards. Uh, here's another verse from Isaiah. This one comes from chapter 35. This is very cool. Say to those with anxious hearts, take courage, fear not. Be- behold, your God will come with a vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Second Samuel 20, 22 says this. Uh, so David, he's singing. He's giving praise to God and he sings of the 
of how God gives recompense according to your righteousness. So those of you that have been righteous, that have been found faithful, there is going to be a proportionate reward for your faithfulness. You've you've remained with God during this time of turmoil. You're going to be recompensed for, for what's been stolen. And the thing is, some things might not be able to be made right here on earth, but God is going to make sure that they've been made right when you get to heaven. In the middle of this storm, in the middle of these crazy times, those that remain faithful to God will receive their recompense. And one of the ways that looks like if they can get these rewards here on earth, one of the rewards is that God will give you an increased strength. This was shown in Isaiah 41. Uh, there was a couple, couple of verses there that I think should hit home a little more for us because we're, we're in a farming community, right in the middle of, uh, well, I guess, the tail end of harvest time. Verses 15 and 16, you will be a new threshing instrument. Think You'll be like a brand new combine with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart, making chaff of the mountains. I'm not a farmer, but from what I understand, chaff is kind of like the waste product that we don't take with us when we're um, harvesting. Kind of the useless stuff that we just let blow away. So the way I interpret that in modern context is basically God saying, you're going to tear the enemy apart and he's going to be just trash by the time you're done with him. It says, you will toss them into the air and the wind will blow them away. A whirlwind will scatter them. You will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. We're going to make trash of the enemy during this time. Another very famous verse, the chapter before, Isaiah 40, verse 31. says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's a condition in there. It says, those who wait will renew their strength. Not those that, give, that gave up, that said, you know what, I'm going to take a break from God during this time. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. Those that got mad and walked away, they're not going to renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord, those that trust in the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. The pretenders are not going to get new faith or new strength. The contenders are going to get new strength. Those that have contended for the the kingdom, who have stayed in the fight, who have not given up, who have maintained the relationship with God, they will renew their strength. The, this faithful remnant of God is going to come out of this tough time tougher. We're going to be better equipped than ever before, and God is going to build up our spiritual gifts, our spiritual muscles, and so much so that when the devil comes and darkens our door once more, he's going to find us bigger and stronger, he's going to find us with a new set of teeth, little more bite to our bark, and there's going to be things that used to beset us, that used to mess us up, that used to cause us all sorts of pain and hurt, that we're going to be able to defeat and beat back and scatter the enemy like never before. God is building his church in the middle of this chaos. In conclusion, as we continue to just to bless this COVID remnant today, God is so thankful for your faithfulness. You have patiently endured while others have not. And you've continued to put your faith in God despite the circumstances. Real faith is when you can look at a bad situation and say, God is still good. And you have. You're still here. You're still with us in person or online. You've hung in there. So the way I want to end this morning is I want to pray over you and I want to declare these five things over you. These five rewards for the the faithful, for the COVID remnant. And uh, yeah, for those of you about to receive prayer, if you just want to get into a posture of receiving in one way or another, whether you're here in person or at home, 
Lord, you are pleased with these people, these people who have remained steadfast in the face of adversity. May they be blessed with a newfound confidence in the timing of God. Your ways aren't our ways, your thoughts aren't our thoughts, and your timing certainly isn't our timing. But God, you are always right on time. May your people grow in confidence knowing that you know the end of this suffering. You are on the case. It's going to end when it's accomplished your purposes. The enemy's intended it for evil, but you've intended it for good. You're going to win. May they trust in your timing like never before. Secondly, may your people be blessed with an increased intimacy with God. May they get to know you like never before. May the tormenting voices of the enemy be, be dissipated and may they disappear. And instead, may they hear your voice with a new clarity. And may your word come alive in new and refreshing ways. They would receive revelation upon revelation as they get into your word. And God, I pray that this faithful remnant is going to receive a new dose of comfort that their fear, that their anxiety is going to be alleviated. God, you are the source of all comfort. You are the originator of comfort. And we declare that your people are going to be filled with so much comfort that it's going to spill all over this region. And God, I pray that these people are going to be such a testimony of comfort and peace that they're going to be irresistibly attractive to this panicked world. And people are going to say, what do you have that I don't? And can you give it to me? Lord, we declare that your faithful remnant is going to be confident in the assurance of your victory. Lord, we, may they know that a day is coming, a day is soon coming, where they're going to be able to stand triumphantly with God by their side over every failed attack of the enemy, every fear, every failure, every lie, every deceit, all of their anxiety, all of their depression, all of their sin, all of their pain. And they're going to be able to say, I came and I saw and I conquered by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, may your faithful remnant know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they will be recompensed for everything. Everything the enemy has taken, you're going to return, and you're going to re return it in a blessing that overflows. And God, they're going to be rewarded for their faithfulness. They're going to be rewarded for hanging in there and, ma and maintaining this relationship with you, maintaining their faith. They're going to be re rewarded a lot on this earth, and they're going to be re rewarded even more in heaven. God, they can't even comprehend how much you're going to reward their faithfulness. And God, may you give this congregation, may you give this, this COVID remnant new strength to beat back future attacks of the enemy. God, in those things that have tormented them for years and years that they've struggled with, God, may they have new strength to fight back against those attacks. The enemy is going to find them bigger and stronger when they show up again. And God, we are going to be a people that are going to be an army trained for battle ready to stand up against any adversity, any attack of the enemy that he throws our way because we've been given new strength, supernatural strength that only God can give. Lord is thankful for you this Thanksgiving and he wants to bless you. So let's receive that this morning with a big old amen and, and just a shout of praise and we can clap, we can rejoice. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>